0: Hey there everyone, this is Apostle Tabo DRC coming to you from Tabo Creative Leadership in the Art, Art of Abiding Relationship Theology, that means abiding in James 3.17 Relationship Theology, and we are headquarters of the DFW Leader Ministry Online Fellowship at onlinefellowship.us for ministries and leaders and then anyone else who wants to attend. The reason I use the word apostle, because it's a really big word, really one of fame and infamy controversy is to get really just to use it. Cause I take the capital a off the apostle and make it more like servant leader down to earth that it's really someone who's called by God to birth a work, a business, a ministry, a media ministry, whatever. And it's not to be used for highfalutin. I'm not the queen. I'm not the, you know, I'm the servant leader. And that's what we really want to do because it's about relationships, being an authentic believer in Jesus Christ. Christ, Whether you understand the concept or not, it's not about religion. Religion can be doing good works, pleasing people. But the main thing is to hear from God and do only what he says because that's really right. James, who was the the pastor of the, the the apostle of the church of Jerusalem wrote that true religion, pure religion undefiled is to visit the widow and orphan in their time of grief. We don't hear that taught. So we want to be true to the course of religion. You know, there's such a thing as true religion. I think it's called true religion genes. I've seen (laughs) somewhere, but we want to be down to earth and approachable. We want to be, authentic with God's help. And then that's why James 3.17 can be very practical and can come into play because when you're under pressure you need to go to God and cry out and even scream to God, Lord help me help me self keep my self-control, help me not blow it by letting these things loose from my lips. And I'm doing that all the time. I guess that's why and focusing on it because it's so sometimes it's easy to please people and say, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there are other times it's like, man, I just feel like I want to snap back. And that's the issue. We're all working it out. So if you fall off the horse of James three seventeen relationship behavior, and we're doing this for the Christians, Hey, really. And for the ministers, because that's the only way, only people that can do that potentially with God's help, not to accuse would be ones with the Holy Spirit inside, and that's why you have to invite Jesus into your savior. And I have, but I still need help every, all the time. James three seventeen says, and this is a great verse for discernment of voices, ministry, teaching yourself, dreams, and night because those can be troubling. People who give counsel, ideas that recur, but also for when you gauge somebody, you assess them rather than accusing by their behavior their relationship fruit and that both of these can tie in with james three seventeen, that any wisdom that says it's from above is first that represents above is first of all pure peaceable easily entreated full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy that means it's respectful not a bigot it is not going to have to be the boss and prove they're right. Uh, that's easily entreated. That shows you respect somebody that you can tolerate, that they have a whole different outlook <clears throat> and theology than yours. That did not mean you condone it. That means you're not, you know, saying, "Oh yeah, I, you know, I'm PC." But instead, you're just being respectful and are equal, opporti- equal opportunity, real respect. E O R R equal opportunity, real respect for the office of every human being made in God's image according to Psalm 139 from the Pope to the President, past President, future President, now President, your Mama, anybody else, any other faith, every age, every gender, every identity, whether you agree with them, whether you like them, you act as a Christian, true Christian, not a you know, pablum pumper or Bible thumper, but you act like the real deal, like Jesus would. How would Jesus act? How do we really know how he'd act? Well, I would suggest that you get out your Bible, B-Y-O-B, Noble Berean style, and then read Jesus Christ when he was alive in ministry and in his personal life with his mother Mary and see how he acted and reacted in every kind of relationship. So therefore, here I am, out where the rubber meets the road in all relationships, out at the barista fellowship, where it's really respectful, professional. They show up on time. They, they're not bigoted or they wouldn't be in business. They're not holding the women back to let the men advance. Everybody's equal. They're not... You know they're professional, and I think we can learn a lot from that. Their customer service—it's not perfect; no one's perfect—but I think nobody keeps watch to see if how many times you go or don't go. They don't mind your business. If they do, they wouldn't stay in business. So that's why I'm—you know—I'm really wide. That was the title of this broadcast. Why am I hard? Why am I so bold? Why am I addressing? Accusation, Phariseeism, James three seventeen in relationships. Why? Because nobody out here, where the wild things are, where nice people are, good people are, all kind of tough customers. You name it, males and females, all kinds in between. Nobody really has a clue. A lot of people don't who know who Jesus Christ is, was, he, he was even sent. Who is he? Is he some Bible preacher that he calls out the sinner and ridicules them and shames them and accuses them? Is he the nosy, busybody Pharisee that keeps watch? Is he a? Are they church hopping? Are they fellowshipping more than one place? Let's take their name. <laughs> you know why? Because I've been out here with these guys and gals. I've been for trying to keep my heart pure before the Lord all these decades and watch the different kind of religious training and the different kind of fruit and the different kind of popular worship culture and man, all the good stuff going on, really good stuff. But then I think, well, why is there this falling away? And when I teach online and I really examine doctrine and I examine the fruit of relationships and there's no, of the Lord practically anymore in ministry, Christian ministry, I think, well, uh, we're the Bible Bereans, where's the fear of the Lord, who teaches on that, and how come that all these people are known, Christians are made fun of, and ridiculed, and when you talk to somebody from the gay community, that and say you're born again, they flinch, it's like ready to be clubbed, therefore I'm examining I'm going back to my Bible and I'm going to go back and see how Jesus would do it. He would agree with your theology all the time or mine, but he wouldn't beat you down with the Bible of his day. And he wouldn't you know, call you a sinner and jump you in public and berate you without a relationship. He wouldn't berate you at all. In fact, you just need to read the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see how Jesus handled every situation, every kind of person, every kind of person that needed deliverance famous non-males, females, sinners, oppressed, children, and then act like he did. He was the prophet of all prophets, the apostle of all apostles. He was the apostle over every gate of every city, as some popular doctrines promote certain humans are. But we have to go back to see what's really true, what's really authentic, what's really down to earth, and how does it affect fellowship Family relationships. Was he Jesus Christ famous? Did he lord over his offices? He was all five to the mega, mega utmost. Did he lord that over and set up his disciples with a worship of hierarchy? Was he the king of the ministry? And were they after him? No, those people gave their lives. They suffered. So we want to really go back and look at our own life beliefs doctrines teachings things we sit under things we presume maybe god and then we act like it so we've never been a noble Berean, taking ownership that god holds you and me accountable responsible for working at our own salvation and part of is what you really believe you know our bibles teaches us in second timothy 3 16 and 17 that god's word is 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 inspired and profitable for for doctrine for teaching you know doctrine for correction for reproof for instruction so that the man and woman of god the human of god will be thoroughly furnished now are you thoroughly furnished i'm not so i want to learn more and submit to god's holy word how can we really present and expect anyone to really want to follow christ if we are Known and renowned as accusers. I researched because I was really concerned with the kind of people I meet that have been burned, badly burned by Christians, raised in Christian homes. Wow. Gone to Christian schools. Wow. Then treated I don't know what they were treated like as young people screamed at, lectured. I don't know, hollered at given the law. I don't know if these were raised by Puritans or no fun fundamentalists. I wasn't by God's grace, his grace. But the idea is we want to make sure that when we research Jesus, that we know he comes from a father who was not a, an accuser back in the garden. So I studied, I studied, repeatedly the relationship version when Adam was formed he had a private relationship before Eve was formed with God and that's how it should be today everybody has their own private relationship the wife shouldn't represent the husband to God he should be the man enough to do it so they had a relationship and God told Adam don't eat that tree before Eve was formed and then after Eve was deceived The main thing that happened in chapter 3, when sin comes in the garden, the devil, is accusation. God doesn't accuse. Satan, the deceiver, accuses and he says to Eve, God doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he doesn't want you to eat that fruit. And she fell for it. However, when she handed her fruit, the fruit to Adam, he must have thought, man, honey, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm just going to eat that fruit. It doesn't look that bad. And he really willfully participated. And he really put his relationship with Eve and that fruit above God. So we have to realize that something went on. And when God came to correct them, to upfront, confront them, tough love, the father's tough love, I examined that, and what I realized that when you look at the role model of the Creator Father, that's Jesus' Father, that's the authority figure Father or Pastor or Mother or anything else, you can see how God comes on the scene, and He says to Adam in chain of command, because He talked to Adam first privately, said, Adam, where are you? He doesn't say, Adam, where are you? I'm going to get you. I know what you did like a human parent could. So he comes up and he says, respectfully for Adam's relationship for Adam as a person. And he says, Adam, where are you? And I believe it is my opinion now. And I'm submitting this as a seal. I'm saying, God gave Adam a chance, maybe to human up man up and rise up and say, God, when God comes in, he says, Adam, where are you? He could have said, well, God, I have to confess, this is what happened, and it happened on my watch, and Eve was deceived, but I wilfully participated. But instead, he gives up the chance, and he tries to duck and avoid and manipulate God. And he says, you know, that woman did it. So when God is not accusing, he's assessing. He's holding him accountable. He's acting in fatherly, upfront, tough love, correcting him, which is Right. It's respectful, not demeaning, not lambasting, not hurting him with vitriol. However, Adam doesn't take the chance and he tries to do things his way, cover and duck and avoid, which is still a big deal, manipulate. So he is the one, Adam does, that resembles the fallen nature of accusation. Now, when this happens, God does level judgment penalties. But he tried to get him, you know, I think tried to give him a second chance. So the other issue is that when we look at what happened after that, the two, Adam and Eve, have children. They have Cain and Abel. Well, in chapter four, accusation gets even worse. It goes into self-talk, the prison house of oneself, where Abel's offering pleases God. But Adams, excuse me, but uh, Keynes does not. And so he goes over in the corner and watches and he gets that envy, rival, jealousy, and he starts to get fuming inside and he doesn't deal with himself. So he starts to get critical and accuser like the devil himself. And this time it spills out to even worse. He kills and murders his own brother. So all these things are prior to the law. They give reason for the law. And then after the law, we thank God that Jesus was sent after the end of the Old Testament, that God sends Jesus because now even the law has been morphed and twisted. You can read Prophet's Obadiah, you can read Prophet's Isaiah, the idolatry in God's own Hebrew people, and the priesthood really get a big warning and a really smackdown by God in Malachi right before the end of the Old Testament. He says, You call yourself my messengers. Well, I'm gonna send my messenger, and one day he will fill the temple. Then there are 40. 400 years of silence, no Bible canon. And to me, it appears, and this is extreme, but life is extreme. It appears that after the warning to the priesthood of God's people, that the morphing of the Edomite priesthood, which was known in the book of Obadiah and in Isaiah, all the different idolatries, false god, vanity, all that stuff, all this may have morphed over those 400 years and produced, coughed up, as it were, the Pharisees, the accuser Pharisees who now accuse people of not being under the law. So we can see a lot of the damage, the real damage of relationships, of Jesus's good name, of people, their their, you know, people who are need mercy, people who just need to be restored, forgiven, taught edified and comforted and maybe corrected of course it corrected but not in a demeaning fashion not as an accuser but as an assessor and one who has the intelligence and the intuitiveness given by the holy spirit of how to do it each time you know the old legend the old legend oh my of the old queen jezebel i heard that more than I ever wanted to know about when I started to surf the body of Christ, God called me when I was 24. Been saved for many years, pastor's daughter to surf the body. He said, "I want you to study all my different kinds of people that believe the Bible, born again." And one day I'm going to have you build bridges. Well, I didn't know what I would, you know, end up doing, which I'm doing now. But I was called to the black and the white, the Asian and the all the different kinds, Hispanic. And as the Lord led me through there, slowly, very slowly, I didn't know what I was seeing, but I noticed there were certain kinds of great doctrine, healthy doctrine, helpful doctrine, edifying and comforting and strengthening doctrine. Then there is this weird streak of things like, well, I don't know if they're media affected, but the yeast of the Pharisees, and the worst thing was just people who were well intentioned and knew a lot of good stuff in certain areas. They would mix in what I call it shepherding, which now I've defined, you know, in our ministry, we call it Western European Levitical patriarchism and matriarchism. Well, because it kept, it was as a, as a Baptist, you don't find that or Methodist or Catholic probably, but you don't find the word covering or who's over who that's not a big deal. But when you get into the ones that go after the Holy Spirit, they can have really great Holy Spirit things. But you want to be really careful that you don't turn into an accuser Pharisee. Because when I found out in my former area, it's it, it moved in, and that people watched people certain of this kind of doctrine to see if they were going to church, to keep track of their business, or if they were quote church hoppers, a vocabulary word I never had heard in my, my life. That was in nineteen ninety six, the nineties. That was you know all these doctrines come in like deliverance and. The power of God and you know, teaching of faith and all these worship and stuff, and you just have to pick like a noble breed and choose what you really think is believe God and then check your Bible. So, by God's mercy, I'd come from a studious family, and we always, you know, did that to make sure because we know that on the last day we're all held accountable alone by the Lord. You anyway, know, I just wanted to do that. But I had a great grandmother as a Bible teacher, you know, so it's God's grace, really his grace to have mature people and my extended background. So anyway, I'd never heard of this, keeping track of everybody. And then I never heard of like club churches or keeping up with the Joneses in ministry, pressure to perform or to look or achieve. I never heard of that. So it sticks out in my mind to really warn people, really warn people that now it's time for God He is moving. He's already moved. But we want to make sure that as a minister, or one of God's people, we're not holding people back, that we're not adding things like Pharisees did read Matthew 8, Matthew 23, Jesus rebuke and read letters a whole chapter that we're not adding things that pile on people's stress to make going to his house fellowship. And when you got kids and family and jobs and unemployment and racism everywhere and all this bias chauvinism, you don't want to make Jesus house that way. And that's why I'm hard on Pharisees because I can, res- I can love them by faith as fellow humans and respect their office But I avoid them because I really, I got jumped. Sitting there, that's why why I'm teaching James 3.17 to assess rather than accuse. Because when you get around the Jezebel crowd, (laughs) they're going to think anybody who looks a little bit with the power of might on them, maybe a female or a black person, whoa. So as a defense mechanism for future people and for them to be warned. I also went back because I never heard of anyone, I never heard of anyone in my family, Christians, pastors, leaders, and other people I know, black and white. And I've never heard a black person jump a person because they thought they were a Jezebel. <laughs> oh my gosh, without even knowing them. That's the witness, James 317, know our stuff. So I thought, I'm just going to, because it got back cur- here, I look and I think, if I get racially profiled for showing up and I'm sitting there in James 317 never saying a word just trying to hear God for myself usually I got a lot of hell on earth going on in the background If my dad is a good role model for a pastor if I just get this weird persecute you know weird spirit to me deme- really evil I think Wow, let me see what I'm doing wrong. Am I doing anything I shouldn't know? Well, then what's in their doctrinal bath waters? And then what are the people like in the relationships in that community? And that's what I found. If I was racially profiled, I thought, you know, one day, this is in the 90s or the 2000s when I would go out of state and travel for the Lord, I thought if I'm being, if some of these groups racially profile me for showing up as one of their queen, you know, who's, or one of those worst things that start with a W, crazy matic stuff, I'm going to racially profile them back. I won't say anything. I'll just be quiet, but I'm going to notice this group, what color are they? What age are they? What is their group up on stage like and that's how i realized the whelp existed i never thought of that god just sort of revealed i thought if i go to that group and they're black they don't feel anything they like me people really get me if i go to baptists and presbyterians and normal people that have don't have this spooky thing in them i'm fine if i go to hispanic or vietnamese they're fine if i go to pentecostals that wear their hairs in buns that is pretty strong i'm fine generally but if you go to certain ones they really may be overly well read very fine-tuned read all the books have all the books in their library about jezebel that and they may be really nice when they're not on their topic but listen we do not need to do that to god's name it is really taking his name in vain false advertising oh come here's what i mean Oh, come fellowship. Let's know Jesus. Let's get in with the Holy Spirit. But instead, you give them bait and switch. We're going to only like you if you're a man. We're going to only greet you and smile if you look like you're going to do our bidding or join up. And see, there are all these things you don't want to add to the stress of life. People are abused. They're demeaned at their work or their family. They need to go to a safe place. And when I was going through the worst time in my life, H on earth, in my personal life, that's when that spirit came out me worse to try to really polish me off. But you know what? Because I know God. I have a relationship with God that's past any Phariseeism. I have good family memories, male and female memories of authority that do not cause me any trouble or sadness. I knew it was the devil trying to ruin God's name. And therefore, I thought, let me be a helper to people who've been in situations where they feel so bad if they got jumped or accused or, or lied about with no relationship. I was never upfront confronted. I was never asked about my theology. I just knew that this is like a cult spirit, maybe, or a false spirit, demonic spirit. But it isn't. It's mixed in with good stuff. So we teach discernment, correction, and also B-Y-O-B-B. Bring your own Bible and study what you're really... If it deals with people feeling bad and accused all the time and ashamed or judged, you better watch out and do your own investigation. We came up, gave me this like 2000s, early 2000s after what I saw across the united states too many times the people hang dog when i racially profiled i realized that when they were middle-aged they were my color but they only had very few black people up on the stage maybe one at all no women basically now maybe they'll have some but it was like i don't know why they for the grace of god i didn't grow up like that so i can discern it that didn't mean they're evil that i mean i'm pointing them out and by name I'm just saying that that is a spirit and a teaching that needs to be corrected we want God's house to be a house of all people I that respect read first Kings 16 I about it June 3rd 2019 on online fellowship both Jezebel passages down common sense no hysteria. What really happened to clear the name of women, apostolic leader women, and men. But I, I did First Kings 16 about Ahab and Jezebel and to, do, to really defrag accusation. And then I did Revelation, Church of Thyatira, the same way to point out that this is not taught. This is not being taught. Instead, it must be some rumor from the back of the old patriarch handed down from generation to the matriarch and all these types of things that has gotten to the grassroots as common practice and everybody's watching everybody. It's really pretty sick. So we can care for people, but we don't want to be among that kind when it's not really when it's hazardous to your health. And I think right now when I look around at TV-affected media ministry, famous ministers, I think really the population is a lot calmer and safer in the denominationals right now, at least where I live. Even though I go with ones that are brand-new groups and they're not under the law and we're having our own. But I believe in the community. See, this is it. I believe that God made a community as one body, happened to be different kinds of flavors. He likes flavors. He's eclectic. And therefore, you should go where the Lord sends you. But if you're a leader, that'd mean you can't ever go to somebody else's movement. Maybe you're biased, or just not a noble Korean, but The common doctrine of Ephesians four is so there, and nobody teaches on it. I'd never heard of it till the Lord showed me. Excuse me, the here at the Breeze of Fellowship. The idea is we were going to try to maximize our assessment, discernment, perception. And avoid accusation. And if you are that concerned that they are in sin or that they are really reprobate, then what are you supposed to do, Christian leader, especially? You are supposed to go relationship, respect, and abide by God's whole counsel, which is Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17. Politely call them up. Make an official one-to-one private appointment. And then present your case lovingly, respectfully. All right. Honor them and that relationship. Respect them. The other one would be if they're that bad and you're scared, like a Jezebel spirit, man or woman, then you are to take somebody with you and upfront, confront them if you're if you're scared of being controlled. That's Revelation, Church of Thyratyra talk. All right? The idea is we're not on this earth to please ourselves. We're here to please God. The other passage would be, if you feel somebody is in sin, if you really feel it's your business, God has given you, this is your ministry. Then no matter who you make, famous or not famous, if you were to get your Bible out in either Matthew 18, 15 through 17, or Galatians 6, 1, which is the same thing in a spirit of humility and meekness, you are to go correct the person so that your meekness, it says, correct them in a spirit of humility so that in case you are future tempted by the same sin. Oh, have we heard that? When I teach on Paul, I think of the Pharisees must've been on Paul's case. Now, Paul was, not accepted by the first 12 disciples that were mentored by Jesus at first. He had to prove himself. That's why he went to be up with the Arabs for 14 years. And he got this special revelation because there was no not a lot of fellowship going on. Probably wasn't fun. But he comes back down with two-thirds of the New Testament because he'd gotten to know the Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 1.17, For all of us, He wants you to have more wisdom of God's supernatural wisdom and revelation, which Paul had in your knowledge of him, from being with him, around him, studying, not just reading books or hearing other people, but with him, downloads. So Paul had all these things, and he had to deal with accusation. All right, The good news, and I didn't put this in, but I meant to, everyone read that even though Genesis comes in, With accusation by the accuser, the deceiver, Satan, Genesis 3, Jesus overcame the whole game plan is spelled out to overcome for the church in Revelation 12. And gentlemen, I hate to say this, but if there's this big hysteria and phobia about a woman, a strong looking woman, a woman not your type, the woman may look like your grandmother that you didn't like. All right. Not all women are Jezebels. However, they are written in the term of female Jezebel. Maybe there is something about a man that needs to watch out for being controlled. Like Adam was weak, I guess, about Eve. And he should have risen up and not been weak and taken that fruit. Therefore, this church of Thyatira, the man must have been weak because God rebukes him and said, why don't you set her down? However, men, I hate to say it, the accuser, when it's written in the Bible, is only written in the male gender. The male gender is the accuser, but I wouldn't say all men as a female. I would as a white female. I would not say all men are accusers, but maybe they have the more disposition being the chain of command authority to God call. Maybe their tongue better watch out. So I wouldn't stereotype all women Strong, you know, whatever Jezebel's are females, there'd be a man like that as a controller, false teacher. But we have, back in the day, all men, till now, all men were only leaders in the Hebrew community and in the first church. Why? My theory is because I've had many years to think about it, and it doesn't matter if people like it or not, I'll just say it. I felt like when Paul said the command, don't have women in the church, teach. It was because he he had to pick his battles. The first church was being planted, and those people only had a few years to do it before they died. So he had to pick, and the Gentiles and the Jews were coming in. Well, the Jews had had men leaders, the women were not as educated, the Gentile women had been all sorts of things, with no control and you know, not under the law. So they were out of, so all these things are going on. And they were shouting out, the women were shouting out in church. And Paul said, men, take the women home and train them because the men were used to having rules and education. The women were the chattel of the day. However, now we are not in... That day we've had years. If men, if women are not supposed to teach in a church, go online. But if they are not supposed to teach in the church, what about men with long hair, tattoos, and pierced ears? Those are forbidden by the law, too. I don't see any teaching against that. I want to point out that when I did research on the Church of Thyatira in the book Revelation about Jezebel, it says, why are you to the head man who is the leader of the day, the lampstand leader, apostle, why are you tolerating that Jezebel who teaches false things? Do you realize what we got there? We got a lady who's already been allowed to teach in a church. She just happens to be the wrong one, the wrong kind, of lady of falsehood, but it seems like they were giving permission to a few To teach in the church, he happened to pick one that was not good, a dominator. So there were women like over in Old Testament, exceptions, such as Deborah, the office prophet, and Huldah, who gave the word of the Lord. So we have to really get and examine our doctrine, our teaching, our thinking, because we're packaging a lot of repression and accusation in the different houses of the Lord of the faith. So we want to watch out for that. You have my blessing to pick apart this doctrine. I'm easily entreated. I'm a James 317 person on and off this camera. And if you disagree, you have your right. But I'm submitting it not as doctrine, that is dogma. I'm submitting it as Sila. Pause and think of it and then do your own Bible noble Brian stuff, but in a James 317 format. Since the 80s, when publicity and fancy slick magazines of Christians and TV came, and now it's media online. I'm I've never heard so much and giant meetings, I've never heard such accusation of other false prophet, their false prophet, there's a false prophet, it's almost like a pride to find the false prophet. And yet there's no fear of the Lord. And I think, well, how come these people, if they think they're false, are accusing, not assessing. And how come they haven't gone over to talk to them and made an appointment to set them straight in a polite, respectful fashion. How come they're not acting James three seventeen easily and treated respectable, pure and peaceable? But instead, they're like tattling, trying to look good. like They've exposed the false prophet. I mean, that is huge, huge in our nation, and it usually is among the not among the Baptists, the Catholics, the Evangelicals. Even though there are a lot of more magazines now that I yeah I have seen Evangelicals do that. But I think what we want to do is make things better, not worse. I'm being open and blunt because I don't think the last two, three generations are getting it. It is desperate. We are in desperate need of representing the real Jesus, the authentic Jesus on and off our stage of our lives, being the real thing with God's help, even if it's unpleasant. I believe that there is not. I believe there is a hastening of the falling away because a doctrine that's bad. I believe there's a running away and a driving away from the Friendly Fire Fellowship. If I would say why I am founded the online Fellowship as well as, you know, gotten these ideas is from watching observation of ministries fruit and fallout who would have ever thought that the scripture i heard as a child in the last days the prophecy men and women will be lovers in the cells boasters accusers from such turn away would ever pertain to christians and churches and the from such turn away fellowship but when you find people who are gossiping in leadership spreading rumors without any kind of upfront Matthew 18, 15, Galatians 6, 1, humility, but instead blackballing people around an area which I've seen in little rural towns and bigger towns. I could say that we need to work on ourselves and work on getting it right because why would I want to go near a house of God, house of God, when I know I'm being gossiped about that I'm not one of the pet approved because there's a respecter of persons. A respecter of persons' spirit is really a disrespect. They respect only a few the kids, the family, their pet, you know, gifted ones, but they're narrow in the fact they don't realize that project rejection to the rest who are not accepted and the pets. And people are so not dumb. They're skilled. They get it. And they say, oh, yeah, that's just a click, a club. Why do I want to go? I'm not part of that in crowd. And that's Christian? No, it's not. So we're going to keep on troubling the waters. I'm going to trouble the ministry waters. Do I feel your evil? No. Would I ever treat you with disrespect if you talk to me? No. I'd respect you. I respect you. Love you? Yes. But do I want to be near gossip? Do I want to be near clubby ministry? No. Why would I? That's not even biblical. Do I want to be near fan club, fan following ministry? No. Paul writes in two places, First Corinthians 1 and 3. Don't say I'm for one famous minister. Don't say I'm for Apollos or Paul. He was embarrassed in chapter one of First Defe- of, of of Corinthians. He said, "It's like he distanced himself. He was humiliated by the fleshly, carnal Christian display of fan club followers, celebrity." And so I am too. I really, it's it's a di- putting one up above the other is not humble, but it's also. Respect or a respecter of person's spirit that means you only respect the famous one, the one with the no name, and it leaves the others like peons. And that's so not like Christ in all his relationships in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I would read that to make sure of that. You know, if you have any doubt about it, and you're welcome to correspond at dfwleader at gmail.com, dfwleader at gmail.com. But I will automatically, if I feel that the tone is not James 317 respect, I'll just won't even read it. I'll just delete it. So I'm into abiding in the vine online and on land. But we want people now to know you have your freedom to do your doctrinal research. If you are plagued with Phariseeism, then go online or start your own. Let me clarify. List anyone jump to the conclusion that from such turn away fellowship or two Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and First Timothy 1, to Timothy 6, 5. 6, 5 says if they talk and say that money means you're blessed, that you're not blessed if you don't have money, then it says turn away. And I have, right? It says for first, second, let's see. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says that in the last days, people will be accusers, boasters, deny the power of God, lovers of themselves, all that stuff. Garbage. From such turn away. Well, that could be anybody, but if we're talking to the ministers, all right, and, and I've been around this, so I understand it. I'm saying, here's how you would do it. You wouldn't say, oh yeah, I'm a fault finder. I got an excuse. I don't have to go anywhere. No. That would be immature and juvenile. You say, I'm going to be trying my heart. I will forgive them, Father. They know not what they're doing. I'll pray for them. I will try to stick it out. However, if they refuse recurringly to change, and you find that these people, the bad quality in that fractious attitude of superiority or whatever conflict is hurting your marriage, your children, your teenagers, then you—that that is when you turn away and you forgive them, but you shake the dust off your feet with God's blessing and go somewhere else or wait until he shows you where to go or go online with any fellowship you feel led to do or start your own if the Lord is saying it. But it's your heart and your attitude that matter in this, not your blaming them or accusing them. But you are assessing and then you using God's freedom according to his word of God for this. Well, I'm going to go for now. I've got plenty, you know, plenty more to say. But um, we want you to have your peace of God. We want you to have your joy from the Lord. And we want you to have your act together. So when you go out and about your relationship ready, also tell everybody to be FDR. It's really ready, really important. Be FDR final day ready, just in case just in case. Tell your friends. I keep getting that to tell people. God really wants you to really know it's time right now to be final day ready, just in case. God bless you. He loves you. This is Tablo DRC signing off for now. Bye-bye. Have a great evening, a great day. All right. Look forward to tomorrow. Bye-bye. Blessing.